You're listening to Creative Confidential with Brian Tuck. Brian is an attorney who represents startups, nonprofits, arts organizations, and people who work in the creative industries. As an arts entrepreneur, Brian is the founder and CEO of Performing Arts Live, a Pennsylvania nonprofit corporation dedicated to creating and supporting live performance opportunities for jazz and electronic artists. Its flagship program is the Allentown Jazz Fest. Brian is a TEDx speaker, a Grammy voter, and jazz musician. Creative Confidential begins now. Today we're uh, we're joined by uh, a friend of mine, Eric Mintel, jazz pianist, composer, band leader. Um, I I met Eric when um, uh, I was booking the first Allentown Jazz Festival, and, uh, you know, I've, I've... Honestly, I've never run into anyone in the music business that uh, is is more upbeat and uh, energetic about you know spreading the uh, the gospel of what what uh, what, what he's about uh, than Eric. He's uh, and and a terrific musician and has played for a couple of presidents. And we'll get into uh, uh, to all that uh, in a minute. But uh, here's here's a little little sampling of uh, Eric's quartet. That's uh, that's the Eric Mintel Quartet. I think that's from the live record. That brand new live record, yeah. All right. Well, uh, Eric, welcome, and uh, thank thanks you. for joining us. Well, thank you. Thanks for having me here. That uh, That's a tune called The Great Nel Sondo that I wrote after our saxophone player, Nelson Hill. Right. And I was uh, and I was on your website or, or reading some of your material, and Nelson, you know, Nelson's resume is his performance credits are a pretty rarefied uh, company. Unbelievable. Yeah, he's he's played with some of the greats. I mean, uh, right out of Eastman University, he went right on the road with Maynard Ferguson and uh, was on the road with him for about three years, I think. And, you know, he was taught uh, by Phil Woods. And mm-hmm. Phil Woods, uh, you know, considers him like a protege. So, um, and was basically Phil Woods' next-door neighbor. <laughs> so not not a bad next-door neighbor to have. Right. Um, but then he did it. He even did a stint with Buddy Rich and lived to tell about it. Oh, my it. <laughs> God. Not yet. That's, uh... I mean, it goes on and on. He was with Gloria Estefan's Miami Sound Machine for a minute, um, you know, and did that horn section. So it's just, you know, goes on and on. And and any one of those would be the crowning achievement in somebody's career. Oh, yeah. And, you know, Nelson strings, <clears throat> you know, four or five of those together. So that's... Uh... Absolutely. Hence the great Nelsondo. The great Nelsondo. <laughs> now that live that live record was recorded where? That was up at the thirty sixth annual uh, Celebration of the Arts Festival, the Coda Festival, up at the Delaware Water Gap, um, and that was September seventh of two thousand thirteen. So it was two years ago, but it was um, it was an unbelievable day. It was like the the it was such a beautiful day for for jazz. Not only was the audience like. There was a few thousand people out there for our set, but mm-hmm. it was just beautiful weather, and it was just uh, the energy level is captured on this CD, just from the audience and from us, and it was just a, a great connection. Did you did you go into that performance intending to record it, or do, <laughs> or do you grab you know as a matter of course grab you know grab the soundboard from big gigs like that? And you know what the thing is, I never knew we were recording that day. 
that was the beautiful thing. I had no clue. I after the uh, performance, uh, Rick Chamberlain, who just passed away, trombonist, uh, he came up to me and said, "Here's your here's your set." And I said, oh, we recorded? He's like, yeah. So, and uh, Kent Heckman uh, from Red Rock Recording Studio was recording that all the bands that day. So I was really happy to have that. And then it took, you know, it took a year or so to get get it on record. Um, and then it was mastered by uh, Jim McGee over at uh, uh, Spectre Sound Recordings. But the the energy level was just unbelievable. I knew we were playing great that day. And I, it was just great that it was captured. The whole thing was captured. Um the saxophonist Joe Lovano was on after us and mm-hmm. he came up to me and said, were you the piano player on that? And I said, yeah. And he's like, dude, dude, <laughs> <Just> like, <laughs> Pat, he was really, yeah. So Pat, I felt Pat like, I, oh yeah, I got some accolades here, but it was, it was a great day. Everybody was like, you know, brought their A game to the, to the performance that day. Well, it's, it, it's just um, amazing that that actually gets captured, you know, in the moment and in, you know, with, with, um, quality that's good enough that you think, hey, you know, this is worth people's time. Yeah, yeah. You know, to listen to because sometimes you get uh, soundboard recordings and they're very thin or exactly. You know, the engineer you're just listening to the flat kind of version that the engineer is listening to rather than having someone come in who knows what you know, they're is, doing is a recording engineer that <laughs> yeah. has a different kind of agenda. Oh uh, yeah, it was great. I was I was pleasantly surprised for sure. Well, that's uh, so. Now, if I was so inclined, which I am, now how how do how does one who is listening to this uh, how do how do we get a copy of this recording or or download? You know, what's what's the best way? Uh, well, you know, download obviously iTunes. It's available on iTunes. Um, you can go right to our website, ericmintelquartet.com, or it's available on CDBaby. Dot com. Um, and that's uh, that's a great website for uh, independent artists to uh, sell CDs. It's and that's uh, we've been already getting a lot of action on there, too. But iTunes is usually the best way to go. Now, here, here's a question. Does the CD baby do all of your fulfillment for you or is that something you guys do in house? Nope, they do it all. Ah, turnkey. We like that. I love it. We do like that. Um, so I, I know the people that are, you know, local to us. You know, suburban Philly, uh, Lehigh Valley area of Pennsylvania, you know, know who you are. But to the extent that people are listening from other parts of the country, mm-hmm. you know, or 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 other parts where iTunes they're reaches. Say, they're saying, who the hell is this who guy? Who is this guy? But, you know, <laughs> you know, tell us a little bit about, you know, how long you've been a professional musician and – you know, one of the things we want to talk about a little bit is how you, how do you make it work? You know, a lot of people that you run into are maybe great players, you know, but, you know, to some extent they're hobbyists. They, mm-hmm. they have a day job, you know, they go to work, they have things they have to, you know, as we all do, we oh, all have family totally. obligations totally. and, you know, pay rent or mortgage or, you know, car payments or what have you. But, um, it, you know, the the thing that fascinates me is that whatever, you know, whatever your art form is, you know, the, the people that decide to make a go of it and just, you know, make a living at mm-hmm. creating, you know, creative work, um, it takes a certain kind of discipline and drive that is not – it's not for everybody. Mm-hmm. Oh, I'll, I'll absolutely. Sa- I'll say that much. So You're you know, right. You know, tell us a little bit like when did you first – decide, okay, this is, this is what I, this is what I am. This is what I'm going to do. Well, let's see. I could go far back to, let's see. Well, 
I've always been at the piano, you know, since I've been a kid, you know, so um, being an only child, we just had, we didn't really have much, but we had a piano in the house, which I was thankful for. So my parents could always find me making up my own melodies, you know, at the piano. So, and I guess when I was around 14, I um, found, I was going through my parents' record collection. I was listening to a lot of different music, rhythm and blues, Elvis, a lot of different things. Mm -hmm. And I found this old 45 record of the Dave Brubeck Quartet with Blue Rondo a la Turk on one side and Take Five on the other side. There you go. So, you know, when you have those aha moments, you know, so I right. put the record on and I just had an instant connection with the music and I just knew that's what I wanted to play, even though at the time I didn't know it was jazz. But I knew that's what I wanted to play. So I learned everything I could on Dave Brubeck. Um, I took about a year's worth of piano lessons. And the, my piano teachers, I'm coming to the lessons playing like all this obscure, like very difficult music and that I've transcribed from listening to it mm -hmm. onto the piano. And the piano teacher is trying to teach me Twinkle, Twinkle, Little Star. And it was just like, he's like, I can't teach you. You're going to have to go your own way. And he did as much as he could. I got the basics down. But... Mm -hmm. From that point on, I just really have been self-taught. And, uh, and now then, that, that surprises me. That really <laughs> does surprise me because, you know, as polished as you are as a performer and <clears throat> engaging people and, you know, technically proficient as you are, which is, you know, incredible. Um, I was half expecting you to say like, well, I was at, you know, Eastman or, <laughs> you know, Curtis or someplace. But uh, well, no. my, my family didn't have that that kind of budget to even, you know, put me through school, you know, that way. I, you know, I've graduated. I graduated from uh, Penridge High School, but mm -hmm. uh, didn't, never went to college, which, you know, sometimes I wish I would have gone to college. But in many respects, I, I'm kind of glad I am self-taught because it's a lot of players out there, believe it or not, are mostly self-taught. I mean, Dave Brubeck could hardly even read music. You know, Duke Ellington, same thing. So all right. these guys that have made it, they've done it because that's what they wanted to do. And that's, that was me early on. You asked, how do you make it work? I just knew that's what I wanted to do. And I wasn't going to look back. So there's been many sacrifices, I could tell you that. But, um, but to be able to do what I'm doing has taken a lot of hard work. Um, but so fast forwarding a little bit to 1993 is when I first started my uh, first group. Mm -hmm. And I said, well, let's do a tribute to Dave Brubeck. So we did, um, we did a lot of Dave Brubeck's music. We did the college circuit. And uh, and it was great. The, right out of the gate, we had great crowds. And, you know, it was – and we were doing a lot of the Brubeck music. And so I got known for doing a lot of Dave Brubeck's music, which Dave was a great mentor, you mm -hmm. know. And right. uh, for me, that was really important to have that kind of, like, uh, mentor – mentorship. And then we started a great friendship as we went along, too. How, how, um, now, how did you – how did it come about that you met him? Uh, at the Keswick Theater, believe it or not, in 1990, I think it was. And I had just, uh, you know, it was great and got a chance to meet him and said, I played a lot of your music. This was before I started my group. And then uh, and then we just, you know, from that point on, just started like a friendship. And then later on, he would write liner notes for our CDs and was saying that we played his music better than he played it. <laughs> so, you know, you, you say it's far as polished goes i think it's like the time in the field i think with anything anybody does the more you do it repetition is the mother of skill mm -hmm. so you keep doing it and you know and I, i'm always trying to get better everybody in our group is trying to get better all the time we make each other better which right. is which is the beautiful thing about this particular group i've had many great players coming in and out of the group over the years um you know we've been great musically 
but then off the stage, it's been like we're complete strangers. Now with this group, right. it's it's a band of brothers, you know, and we're all kind of like reading each other's minds. Yeah, well, that really did it did come across loud and clear, um, you know, last year at the festival, seeing the yeah. way that you guys, uh, so it's you and, and Nelson Hill on sax and Dave Moan on drums and Jack Heggie on on bass. Mm-hmm. And watching the four of you relate to one another after sound check when no one was watching, <laughs> the room was not open yet. Yeah. You know, there was just us and the sound guys. And um, that really came through that this was, you know, you have this kind of ecosystem um, among the four of you yeah, that the, it's really important. The sum is greater, you know, yeah. than the parts. Yeah. I think that's really important just to uh, have that that because the audience feels that. And no you want to you want to have you if as an audience member, I always think of the audience like, what do I want to see? I want to see some energy. I want to see people smiling up there. I want to see people having a good time. I don't want to see, you know, just the, cutting the audience off, you know, and not thinking that they're there. That's what we do that their energy. That's why I always say the audience is the extra member of our group, because they really feed us along, whether they know it or not. Right. So that, it's and like that's the, why sixth I man, the sixth man in basketball or the <laughs> yeah. 12th man at the uh, Seahawks game. Exactly. There you go. <laughs> um, well, <clears throat> see, we're all learning something new today. I had no idea. Uh, you know, the, the self-taught thing really is is pretty fascinating. Um, and, and it's, you know, one of the things that I think people will see as we go along in this podcast is that I, I think every guest we're going to have on – you know, they are inseparable from the work, whether it's film or music or, mm-hmm. or acting or what, whatever it is. You know, you become your compositions. And I don't mean to sound too metaphysical, but no, you're right. You, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Totally. Um, so there is one kind of date specific thing we wanted to, to mention, which, um, you know, is, is your upcoming performance with the quartet. At uh, Miller Symphony Hall in Allentown, um, maybe you could just tell us a little bit about sure. uh, about that. Yeah, we're going to do um, uh, that concert. There has been always a great room to play. Uh, we're going to be doing uh, this year is the 50th anniversary of the Charlie Brown Christmas cartoon. So we're going to be doing a lot of the music from the cartoon from Vince Guaraldi, right. <clears throat> and um, and we're going to be doing a lot of my own stuff as well, some holiday standards, but. We're going to put our own spin on the Charlie Brown music, so it's it's going to be fun. It's hip, it's it's modern, it's fresh. It gives it new life, and uh, it's it's going to be crazy packed. So if uh, if you're listening to this and you're you know anywhere you know <laughs> call now, <laughs> call, yeah, call now for God's sake. Um, it's uh, AllentownSymphony.org is the website. You can buy tickets through there. Uh, the performance will be Friday, December seventh, on eighteenth. Friday, December eighteen. Uh, I think you have a what a seven thirty, seven thirty. Yep, start time. And um, you know, Allentown's not far from Philly metro area. We're about what an hour northwest if, of Philly. If and, that, uh, yeah, it's and it's a great room. Yep, and about uh, seventy five minutes west of uh, Manhattan. So you know, we have a lot of we do have a lot of people from uh, like western and, and northern Jersey that came that come over uh we definitely experienced that with the jazz festival and we're gonna try to cultivate that a little bit which by the way was a lot of fun 
that festival was really great to play. We, and you thank did you. So yeah. much hard work on that, and it really paid off. So it's the, for the first year, it was great. Thank so. you. Yeah, we're um, we're well, we're going to do it again. We yep. we we survived our first campaign. <laughs> is how I'm telling all the uh, insiders, the performers, and um, sponsors and things. So, but you'll you'll definitely see Eric again at that in in the spring. We uh, we'll talk about that at a we'll we'll do it we'll do a show about that later on. Um, you know, so if you are now, so you have, do you have a private studio? Do you teach also or? I teach privately. So I go to the, you know, different people's, you know, houses. So I don't have a studio per se. Um, but I just, you know, I'm traveling to uh, different places. Um, and you, you were talking about how do you make it work and how do you, is that, yeah, that's where we were going to go. Yep. Yeah. It's, um, like anything, it's sales. It's like sales. You know, you've got a, you've got a product. I have a quartet and, uh, <clears throat> excuse me. Um, and we basically have like a package that we present. So, you know, I look at it as, look at it as it's, it's a job, it's our job and we have a service to provide and we're entertainers and we have to look at ourselves higher than you know, being just a musician, you know, we've got to have a little bit of higher mm-hmm. integrity right. that way. So I look at that and, uh, and then I know from the track record that we have that we're filling rooms and bringing people out and selling tickets. So that, uh, coupled with a lot of phone work, <laughs> you know, I find that calling and putting a voice to the, to the venue that I call mm-hmm. instead of an email, which is kind of impersonal, works a lot better than than you know just just sending out like mass emails to venues oh can you hire us um i think it's personal one-on-one people want to hear a smile over the phone and uh so i've been very successful doing that and um and being able to get into really incredible places and and having great opportunities but the music speaks for itself too well sure i mean and you know one of the themes that we'll run through um all of our all of our podcasts will be, you know, the idea that, you know, being good by itself isn't nearly enough. Right. You you know, you have to engage people. You have to follow up. You have to answer emails quickly. You've got yeah. to answer phone calls quickly. And so like – Yeah. So how, how much time during any given week do you think you spend on – booking and, you know, developing prospects for, you know, theaters that you may want to just like a job. I mean, it's like a job. I mean, I'm like, you know, the, during the day, that is my job is booking the group. So I'm on the phone, you know, nine to five or nine to three or whatever, ten, whenever place is open, maybe, maybe sometimes 11. Mm-hmm. But, uh, and if it's on the West coast, then you're working at night, you know, six o'clock, seven o'clock when it's three hours difference back there. So, you know, you're, you're making phone calls at seven o'clock for a a person that's in at four. Right. So you got to keep everything in line. And I I saw a note from you that you were, you know, you were looking for gigs for this kind of December, uh, you know, Vince Guaraldi. And I booked it. Tour. (laughs) And before I knew what happened, you told me you had 21 dates booked in December. Yeah. Which is astonishing. I mean, you know, outside of, of a place like. Manhattan or a, a very dense, you know, like a city like Chicago, <laughs> Philly or, or New York or something like that. Um, you know, you have musicians that are pros that, you know, maybe they've got a gig Thursday, Friday, right. we got another one Wednesday of the following week and then two Saturday nights in a row, you know, and they may may do six shows a month. But 
you know, the way, you know, as a, as a function of how much energy you put in to, to, to that, you're working, you know, every, probably, every day, probably every day in, in, in December, if, uh, which I could, I wish it could be that way all the time, you know, and that's, right. that's the beautiful thing. But I mean, you know, and it's called, uh, you know, you got to plan in advance too. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm working six months to a year in advance. So that's the other thing. That's the, you know, and the discipline factor. Yes. You know, I mean, yeah, there's been days that I'm like, oh man, I don't want to make a phone call, but you have to, if that's what my, you know, vocation is. I, and I know if I'm not making that phone call that, then that income's not coming in. Right. And plus the other fact is I've got three other guys to feed too that have families. So I've got that as well. So, you know, it's, and, and keep everybody working. You know, and, uh, and so just, uh, yeah, you know, we're going to be up in, uh, Connecticut, New Hampshire, um, and Boston area. We're going to be at Riles Jazz Club up, up in Boston in early December. And then, uh, the, then all different places around the area here on the East Coast. And then the last gig, um, we're going to be in DC at the National Gallery of Art. And that's going to be really cool. Where every tour should end. Yes. Not, not a bad, not a bad venue. <laughs> so that's going to be neat because we're going to be playing with the, uh, we're actually uh, playing with the uh, Central Bucks Chamber Choir. Um, we're going to be playing, you know, our Vince Guaraldi stuff and they're mm-hmm. going to be singing some of the stuff too. Oh, great. But we're going to be doing our own thing as well. So, uh, and uh, so it's, you know, and then we're at the Deerhead on the 26th. So at the, at the Deerhead Inn, which yeah, is day after uh, Christmas, uh, Delaware Water Gap yep. in, in Pennsylvania. Yep. The um, now not your first trip to D.C., of course. And, you know, this has been an interesting thing to me, of course. Uh, you know, the only person I know that not that I know everybody, <laughs> but, you know, what I mean? oh, come on, um, Brian. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but, you know, to be able to say you you have played at the White House once. And not White House, New Jersey. Yeah, not yeah, not that White House, not the White House diner or anything like that. Um, you know, to say that you've played at the White House even one time would be, again, like we were talking about Nelson, sort of like the pinnacle of, of a career. But you've done it twice. Now, how – so the first president, you played for Clinton mm-hmm. in 96? 98. 98. 1998 um, in December to kind of like uh, – you know, set this up. I had wanted to take jazz to another level and I wanted to, um, you know, figure, well, where can I go? You know, maybe go to the top, you know, so why not just go to the white house? So I called the white house and I asked, do you have any programs that you send musicians to perform in any kind of like positive outreach, any kind of like maybe performing for troops, something that you could use jazz with as a positive outreach. So I sent, it, it was crazy what I sent. I sent like, you know, now I send a whole bunch of, you know, really nice polished things, but I sent like loose press clippings in a, in an envelope <laughs> that I had from a, a, a newspaper story and a, an old CD that we had at the time that we recorded. So put that in there. And, um, and about a week later, I get a call back saying that we'd like to invite the Eric Mattel Quartet to the White House for Christmas. So it was really cool. It was like, and we played for a holiday dinner reception for President Clinton, what I was told, it was President Clinton and political powers that were there. Okay. So we played in what they call the Grand Hall. And I played on this piano, which was so cool. It was like, and I have a picture of Dave Brubeck playing it in Lyndon Johnson's administration. Wow. And the piano itself is like, it's a Steinway, but it's, um, it's got gold eagles that are carved for like legs. Right. And it's just such a cool, it was just a surreal moment. 
So, uh, so we played, and at the end of the night, the Marine Guard takes us in to meet the president, Mr. President, the Eric Mantel Quartet. So we went in, and that was just crazy surreal. And I said, well, Mr. President Eric Mantel, I said, we have a mutual friend in Dave Brubeck. And he goes, oh, Dave Brubeck was the, he said I was the first elected official that could sing the bridge to Blue Rondo all the Turk. And without missing a beat. Yeah, exactly. Good Lord. <laughs> so it was. That guy's a pro. <laughs> it was really great. And uh, I, I think at that time it was like a day after the Monica Lewinsky thing and like a day after or he, the day after he had, a, he had a bomb Iraq or something like that. Right. So talk about compo- grace under pressure. Yeah. Um, and then, uh, so now fast forward to 2011, uh, you know, um, I was thinking, well, you know, I don't know if that's, pr-, you know, I was thinking about doing that again and calling and saying, maybe that is, maybe that was just a once in a lifetime thing. I'm not going to get a chance to do it again. Right. So my girlfriend says, well, no, call them, call them and see what they say. What do you got to lose? So I said, okay. So I just happened to have the White House phone number in my phone. Naturally. <laughs> and I called and- uh, as, they, we, as we all do. <laughs> and this is 13 <laughs> years later. <laughs> and, uh, oh man. And they said, you know, what's your availability for uh, December? So we did like December 14th, I think it was, and uh, of 2011. And again, played for uh, another reception- and got a really nice letter saying that we set the mood for the whole evening. And it was just really cool. And um, and then we got a picture with the president and first lady. And uh, so I'm meeting, I'm talking to the president. And uh, when you, again. And, and this is President Obama. Now. Obama, yep. Right. And uh, so I shook his hand and I said, again, you know, um, good friend of mine is Dave Brubeck. He said, you know, Dave Brubeck was the very first concert I ever went to see with my dad when I was a kid. So. I guess that he was in Hawaii at the time and they were right. doing a jazz festival. So I thought that was kind of cool. And so I'm sitting there talking to him and I hear, I feel this tap on my shoulder and it's the first lady. <laughs> so I was like, Oh, how are you? So it was, it was just really cool. And they're really big jazz fans and she's doing a, a big jazz initiative at the white house. So it's, it's nice to be able to be in that kind of company. It was just, it was wild. Yeah. I, I, to be able to uh, have done that twice oh, yeah. is, is Pretty astonishing. <laughs> it really is. Yeah. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. Some people would not think that, but I appreciate that. <laughs> well, I mean, how often? But, you know, the, the setting is, you know, I can only kind of imagine being in that room and, you know, over there at the tables, you know, the head of state and the first oh, lady. And there, you know, there's Secret Service guys all over the place. All over. And, you know, Congress people and, you know. Yeah, security's like big. So that was the thing. What and, was and that? I, what, now, what was that like for here? Now, here's sort of the musician's side of it where, you know, the, the piano's there. This is almost like you're calling the White House and go, what kind of backline do yeah, you guys right. have for, uh, for, <laughs> well, the, we had for a, the Great Hall? We had to bring our own stuff, but, you know, it all had to be thoroughly checked, you know, before you go in. And uh, I remember when we when we played for uh, President Clinton, even the army band's instruments were, because they played before us, right. they were even going through that. So what, it's like, what do they do? Do they x-ray everything? Do they take the that, drums out of the cases? or Everything. Um, I think we had the dog go around the van because we had a van that mm-hmm. brought us in and right. uh, the mirrors and stuff. And so it was just, you know, very top notch and same thing, you know, for, um, and you have to go through all that stuff even way before you even step foot in there. So it was, uh, it's, you know, a lot of uh, crossing the T's and dotting the I's. <laughs> right. We're now, at so let's. But I, went, I would do want to say walking into the White House, though, what I 
what gets you is when you first walk in is the smell. It's old. It's, it's an old like smell, like mm-hmm. wood. And, and then you would walk on the, on the floors. The floors are all creaky. It's, they're very, because it's very historic, very old. So you would think it's like going to be this like, you know, pristine thing. Mm-hmm. It's not. I mean, there's parts of it, are obviously, but the the um, now the history. Was there anyone in in the room that you saw, like uh, actors or, or yeah. that you thought, oh my god, there's Gina uh, Davis was there. Remember Gina Davis, the sure. actress? Yep, she was there, and uh, and it was so cool because at first um, my girlfriend went with me, uh, Sherry, and she's and I thought they were going to have her in this room away from everything, but they let her come up and take pictures, and she was roaming around. It was like no problem. They said, just don't step on that step. And we said, why? What's that? That's the stairs to their residence. And Secret Service will be right on top of you. Oh, sure. <laughs> As they should be. <laughs> I said, no, we're going to stay away from there. <laughs> well, the it, it, it's always a pleasure. Um, and, you know, I hope, uh, first of all, every anybody that's listening, um, definitely check out Eric's website. It's ericmintelquartet.com. We will have a link um, to it. On our on our website and our Facebook page, so that it's a little bit easier to, to find than me spelling it. <laughs> and uh, you know, Eric's out there, you know, fighting the good fight. Um, you know, and and you know, consciously choosing to follow, you know, follow your passion, which kind of is a, a you know a touchy feely concept in the business world about you know you you know you're more effective as a as a an employee or as a person. If you're doing what you love to do versus, you know, sitting in a cubicle somewhere answering, you know, emails all day or something <laughs> like that, which I, I, from the look on your face, I think is pretty, uh, <laughs> would be pretty hard to imagine living like that. Yeah. I mean, was there, I think I know the answer, but when you started on your journey, you know, back, you know, 90, you know, 93, mm-hmm. where you decided, okay, this is it. This is what I am. And this is what, you know, this is how I'm going to live. Um, was there ever any alternative? Like, you know, I'm just gonna, oh, I'm like, just gonna pack it in and, <laughs> you know, and give up. Yeah. I'm just gonna yeah. pack it in and sell real yeah. estate or, or yeah, I hear you. Know. you. There's been some times like that because there's been, you know, there's been, you know, <laughs> uh, sacrifices, you know, I've gone through two marriages and, uh, you know, and, but thank God, you know, my second marriage, thank God, is over with. But thank God, my daughter—I have a thirteen-year-old daughter. So, you know, I look at—I look at her, uh, her future, mm-hmm. and she's proud of me that I'm a musician. She tells her friends in school that, oh, my dad's a touring musician. So, and that's really cool, and I right. really appreciate that. But yeah, there's been some dark days as far as like, you know, do I want to ever do this again? And you know, but then. It's that inner thing that says, ah, you know, just giving up and failure and all that is just not in my vocabulary. But you just got to push through it. And you got to just, we all have those days that you just, oh God, you know, it's like, what, what next? But I just try to keep the positive attitude and just try to keep going through it. And because what I've gone through, there is light at the end of the tunnel. So yep. I, I will say that. So, and that's a beautiful thing. So you can, if you just stay the course everything will work out. And I know that we've got this great uh, thing that we've got together. And, you know, the main thing is looking at people's reaction after we play. It's like people are 
totally all the time, standing ovation, yep. smiles, and the energy that we're bringing to people and kind of like getting them out of this, whatever's going on in the world for a couple of hours, letting them forget that. And uh, and then we always get people coming up saying, you know, I never, some people, I never really uh, understood or even liked jazz before, but I like your music. And then they start their own jazz collection. Right. And then start listening to jazz. So I think it's the way you present it. And if you present it in a way that's accessible, which we've done, yep. I think you can you can lead more people into the music. And then you're going to see more positive things happening. Well, and you're, you're definitely um, taking the mantle, you know, from Dave Brubeck because yeah. his stuff, you know, Take Five was a, was a hit. Total hit. It's and it's and, that it's was a because, ja- and it's a jazz composition and it's in five four and that was which because, should not work <laughs> you know which anybody knew if anybody really knew that did uh, you know no his his record collect or his record uh, uh, company didn't want to put that out it was Columbia Records they didn't want to put that album out because it was too experimental and they were just mm-hmm. kind of like you know nobody could dance to it at the time <laughs> right what is this but he fought yeah. them and put it out and uh, for the first year really didn't do that well but then suddenly the DJs started playing it and the DJs across the country then it connected with college campuses and yeah that in particular has always been interesting to me that it seems like his music and also your audiences trend much younger than the quote unquote traditional you know jazz, jazz audience or, yeah. whatever that may be which tends to skew you know, into the 50s and 60s demographically. Yeah. But if you can get younger people engaged. Which we're seeing all the time. Yeah. Your audience at the at the jazz festival was like that. Yep. I mean, we had a lot of 20 and 30-somethings that were totally into it. I think they, they're, you know, people want to hear good music. I think they, they want, they're sponges. When they hear good music, they want to hear something with some, some substance to it. So I think if you hear that... You know, you hear a droning beat all the time. It's just, there's nothing there. There's, I mean, you can latch onto it and, and it could be a dance thing, but I think, you know, you can think a little bit more with this music and it makes people think, you know? And I think that's why we go into co- uh, colleges, workshops, or even the high schools and middle schools. The kids are coming out of there if they have a good music program with great jazz musicians. And then we go in, they're just sponges for the music. They just mm-hmm. want to he- learn everything they can. So that's really encouraging. Well, that's it. Eric Mintel, encouraging <laughs> youth since 1990-something. Changing the world. Changing the world. 88 keys at a time. Um, well, uh, definitely check out Eric's website. And uh, if, you're, if you're, you know, honestly, if you're in, in driving distance of Allentown, check this performance out. And we're, and we're nice guys, too. And, I mean, and they're nice guys, and they'll hang around and sign, we'll sign you know, autographs. Sign autographs. We'll sign your T-shirts. Sure. The whole thing. So We'll uh, make a henna tattoo of the Eric Mandel. That's it. <laughs> However we can get the word out, by God, is how we will do this. So, Eric, uh, thanks again, as always. Thank you, and, Brian. Um, we're going to be working together uh, a lot coming, cool. for, coming up. So uh, I'll look forward to it. Yeah, me too. Awesome. All thanks, right. man. Thanks, buddy. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to Creative Confidential with Brian Tuck. To have Brian consult for your arts organization, for public speaking engagements, or if you have legal matters you want to discuss, contact him at tucklaw.com. That's T-U-K-Law.com. For future episodes, please subscribe to Creative Confidential on iTunes or visit us at creativeconfidential.net. 
This has been a Steve Mittenin social media creation. Creation, creation. Steve Mittenin social media.com. Dot com. Dot com. Dot com.